Disney Roulette is a movie review podcast in which we discuss, in detail, the movies available on Disney's streaming service. In internet speak, that means, spoiler alert, you've been warned. Also, while Disney films are safe for the whole family to enjoy together, this show is not. Listener discretion is advised. All that said, let's do this shit. to Disney Plus Roulette, a magical movie review podcast. Extra magical. (laughs) Yeah, I'm your host, Kate. And I am your ever-reluctant husband, Bob. And uh, we're mixing things up a little bit this week. (laughs) Our regular listeners will know that we drink some kind of cocktail inspired by our movie of the week. And I had the genius, terrible idea Since we are watching the movie Quince, which is about the birth of five babies, why don't we do five shots that are pink and blue over the course of the podcast to represent each baby? So the shot that we just did was in honor of baby Adam, and uh, we will continue on periodically throughout the podcast and celebrate all five little babies. So I know last time we kind of started off with a, a deep thought, and I have another one for you. Okay. So... Now that Disney and Marvel are one, mm-hmm. does that mean that Howard the Duck may have come from Duckburg? Also, would that mean that Darkwing Duck might be up for Avengerhood? As far as Howard the Duck goes, if he were from Duckburg, he would definitely be that creepy neighbor that like goes to get his paper with his robe on and the robe is not cinched all the way tight. Oh, absolutely. That's who he would be. I mean, Donald doesn't wear pants, so, I mean, it it is what it is. That's true. That's true. Uh, Darkwing Duck, I think, could be an Avenger, but also could maybe look like a really good snack for the Hulk. So, like, be careful. Mm. Anyway, uh, nothing else really going on over here, except my birthday's in a few days. I really don't give a shit about my birthday. It's 33. It's nothing exciting. What I really am mostly excited about is just drink, eating... Oh, Freudian slip much? <laughs> Eating tons of key lime pie and pumpkin pie. Like, the mm. thought of those two things are what's getting me through the rest of my work week. I'm ready for it. It's a good time. Yeah. All right, well, how about we get into some news? You want to start us off with the Marvel Minute, Bob? I know you've got a lot to report and you're really excited. But first of all... I think we should toast to baby Debbie. Oh, oh, it's Debbie's turn. Cheers. Salute. Okay, that was harsher. Oh, I didn't say what we're drinking, by the way. We are drinking blue raspberry vodka for the three boys and pink lemonade vodka for the two girls. Continue on with your Marvel Minute. So, a lot going on since we last all met up here on this Marvel Minute. As far as Disney Plus goes, we have a definitive delay on Falcon and Winter Soldier 
sources are reporting that basically what's going to happen is if Black Widow does not come out, which it just officially got pushed back to March, I believe, early March now, there is something in, in, in Black Widow that ties too much to Falcon Winter Soldier, so you have to go see that before they release this. And they are so closely tied that they're they're not going to release them separately. So if you if Black Widow gets pushed, basically just expect Falcon and Winter Soldier to get pushed. We did get a trailer for WandaVision, and it's wonderful, and there's lots of Easter eggs in it. And it's super exciting, and... It looks so good. Yeah, so uh, I'm super excited for that. Early December is the release date. I believe it's December 10th, but I'll double-check that and get that for you next time. We also, we were wrong once again. Alison Brie is not our She-Hulk. Tatiana Maslany of Orphan Black fame is our She-Hulk. If it were not Alison Brie, I fully support Tatiana Maslany. She is fabulous. Played like six or seven different characters within Orphan Black. Absolutely deserves this. I'm super excited for that. I'm excited about her too. I was hardcore Alison Brie team, but like you said, if you can't have Alison Brie, Tatiana Maslany doesn't even feel like a second. No, You're like, it's... oh no, okay, equally as awesome. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot being said that Fury is getting his own show. We're literally just got that tidbit about a day ago. Samuel L. Jackson is signed on for a Fury Disney Plus TV show. Speculation is rampant. Are we going to get S.H.I.E.L.D. members? Is it S.W.O.R.D.? Is it, you know, we, we don't know anything other than Fury is getting a show, Disney Plus is getting it. That's a lot of our Marvel Minute. There's a lot of stuff for Marvel overall, but this is our Disney Plus show. So, yeah, at me if you want to talk about Marvel stuff. I'll gladly... Gla- Oof, burping. That's the vodka. Um, I would gladly love to chat with anybody about Marvel stuff. Just at me at uh, Suicide Clyde. Yeah, you guys add him because I get really tired of talking about all the fan theories and hypothesizing what's going to happen. So he needs somebody to talk to about that stuff because I just, I get tired of it after a while. She doesn't like the rumors. She doesn't like the speculation. I love it. In other Disney Plus news, we of course have The Mandalorian Season 2 premiering October 30th. They released the trailer for this season. It looks amazing. I can't wait. That trailer though? Yeah. I cannot wait for the arrival of Ahsoka Tano. I've got to finish watching The Clone Wars so I can get all of her story arc before this happens. That is, like, my goal. Did you watch the other one? What? The sequel-ish to that. Rebels? I have not watched Rebels, no. Yeah, so you can watch Clone Wars, and then there's, I guess, a time gap, but, like, it picks her story back up within that. It's a minor story arc. Oh, no, I don't have time for all these shows. Yeah. Well, I'm at least going to try to get through Clone Wars before October 30th. I'm so stoked about Mandalorian. For the most part, Clone Wars is the important part. I can even show you the one episode that would be super important for this continuation. But yeah, we'll get you caught up. Cool. Also coming out in October, we have a new Frozen short called Once Upon a Snowman. It, of course, follows Olaf. My man! No, seriously, Bob and Olaf are the same person. Uh, So this short takes place between the Let It Go sequence of the first Frozen movie and when Olaf first meets Anna and Kristoff. So it's just like a little blip with Olaf in that tiny little time frame. And the last thing I have to report for you guys is they released the trailer for The Secret Society of Second Born Royals, which is a... I thought it was going to be a series, but I think it said it was a movie. But it does not come out until next July. So they must have really high hopes for this if they are promoting it this far out. I 
I think they're just trying to get the hype up because content is so fleeting. Yeah, COVID time is slow news time. Well, well, Marvel keeps getting their stuff pushed back. I mean, think about it. By the end of this year, we were supposed to have two, if not three, full Disney Plus Marvel series already on the books. Right. So they're hurting for content. Yeah. Basically, it looks kind of like an X-Men-ish sort of story. And the students are led by a teacher played by Skylar Aston, who I love and adore of yeah. Spring Awakening, Pitch Perfect, Zoe's Infinite Playlist. Playlist! Yeah, he's fantastic. I will watch anything with Skylar Aston in it. So I'm on board, even though it's definitely directed more towards teens. It definitely wants to hit up that Descendants crowd. Yeah. Honestly, I hope it's good. Honestly, I really do. Because I could get behind a young teen of X-Men-ish. Their superpowers, their royals. They could make it intriguing enough to watch. I really hope they don't too kiddify it. Like, I hope they are looking for the young adult series. I got the impression that they were. It definitely looked a little bit more action-y and... Because Descendants, I haven't watched it, but from the bits that I've seen of it, it's still like a musical and still seems to skew a little bit more kid-ish. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm hoping that the kids... I mean, it's now been, what, two, three years now since Descendants. So my hope is that those kids are kind of coming of age now. Right. So grab those kids and let's bring them along on the story of a slightly more adultier kid show. Right, right. That's my hope. Kind of like how they made, by the time they got to High School Musical 3, they were making movies for older teens. Like they right. had kind of picked up on the fact that, yeah, younger kids were still watching it, but the base fan group had actually aged. So it... It kind of moved up with the age group. And I agree with you. I think it looks like maybe they've kind of aged this up a little bit for the Descendants crowd. That's probably a good hypothesis. That's my hope. Yeah. Um, I have tons and tons of trivia for you about our film Quince. Get, get ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. It is a Disney Channel original movie from oh my goodness. the year 2000. Do you want the unfortunate thing about that year? I mean, it's not unfortunate for me, but... What's the unfortunate thing about that year? I, I graduated that year. That was also my first year into college. And uh, that was... I was 13. Hmm. So that... There's a little insight into our, our, our it, lives. Yeah, the early 2000s are when our age gap gets weird. But it's not weird now. It's only six years. It's fine. But like right at the year 2000, it gets a little creepy. So... Came out in the year 2000. I definitely watched this movie as a kid at 13 was like the age it was made for. I did not. I, I will be honest. I, uh, I, you know, it just, it flew under my radar. I didn't see it. I, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Maybe I was busy. <laughs> it stars Kimberly J. Brown, who also starred in Halloween Town, which I was also a huge fan of. Never heard of it. And Halloween Town? Are you shitting me? No, I'm not shitting you at all. Oh my god, that is like one of the Disney Channel original movies. Are you kidding me? We're watching that this year. It's Halloween season. We're doing it. Oh my god. Uh, so those were just like general factoids. As far as actual trivia about this movie, there was one item okay. on IMDb. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> okay. And the trivia was that since there are these things called child labor laws... Yes. There are regulations for how long babies can, quote unquote, work. My assumption is also for the lead actress, but go ahead. So babies can do 15 minutes of work at a time and then have to have 20 minute breaks in between. 
You can't see my eyes, but they are about the size of a silver dollar right now. Yeah. So, that's not a lot of time. No. That's a lot of downtime and not a lot of active time. So there were 20 babies brought in to play the quince in this movie. That does not surprise me. Yeah. Which, like, I knew that's why they cast the Olsen twins for... Oh, shit. What's her name? Michelle. Michelle. Cole and Dylan Sprouse as Ross's kid on Friends. Like, they like having twins because they can trade off. And you basically get two actors for the labor of one, I guess. (laughs) Twice the labor for... I don't know. But twice the working time. Right. But yeah, apparently if you need five kids, that chart starts going a little more exponential with the uh, with the number of babies you need. So they use 20 different babies to play the five quints in this movie. All right, so let's get into the movie. But before we do, I think we need to take a shot in honor of adorable little baby Charlie. Whew! Yeah, the blue is definitely smoother than the pink. All right, so the movie starts... And we are like, bam, in the 2000s. We've got full screen. We've got non-HD. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It is not just full screen. It is 4-3 letterbox. They didn't even make it full screen for Disney+. Plus. They left it in the square format. That's right, they did. Definitely not HD'd in any way, shape, or form. This movie is being viewed in the way that God intended. And I am here for it. God... Disney. I hear no difference. Oh. So (laughs) we start out and there's this girl sitting in her bedroom and it's just like, boom, we are fourth walling it up. She is talking straight to the camera. She's got a lot to say. And hold hold on, hold on, hold on. She has a lot to say. And this writer thinks that they are the wittiest person on earth. Yeah, they do. She literally, within her first paragraph, says that it's not going to be lame or boring or anything. Yeah, they set a disclaimer for their own movie. If you have to say that it is not going to be lame or boring, you wrote that for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry to derail you. As you said, fourth walling it up. And then the second shot that she goes right into is her in front of the fridge and she's fake- drinking but clearly was meant to spill it on herself yeah she's got an airplane level drinking problem (laughs) she goes to drink some juice out of a jug and just pours it down the front of her (laughs) for like no real reason i don't even try didn't even try let me let you get back on the rails like those two points right at the beginning of the movie just like you can ask kate I had to stop the movie. I had to pick up my computer and start taking notes because each movie sin was that bad. Yeah. So while she's fourth walling it up, basically she's explaining that she's the only child and her parents are kind of on top of her constantly about getting really good grades and she is the focus of their entire lives and she feels pretty smothered by their affection but also their determination to get her into this magnet school. Also, definitely recognize Dad from Grimm and Final Destination. Yeah, that guy plays a dad in, like, everything. Yeah. Next, she goes to the school. She's like, yeah, my school's like every other school. And she walks through the gym, and there's teachers blowing fire, and there's clowns and jugglers. And I'm like, "What what the fuck is happening right now? Then she's like, no. Psych. Psych. And goes into the Matrix rotation cam. This happened, what, Matrix was 99, I think. So this is like the year after the Matrix when the rotation cam was the new cool thing. 
It was, but they didn't do it well. Yeah, it was real jerky. It just looked kind of sad. It looked like they set up 20 cameras, whereas The Matrix did 80 for like a smaller shot. Yeah. And they tried to encompass a full gym in 20 cameras in a full rotation. It was like stop motion animation level jerky. <laughs> yeah, the film student in me was just cringing this entire time. But here's my issue with this. This scene establishes something that will be, I, I don't want to say infuriating, but pervasive throughout the entire movie. This girl cannot be trusted as a fucking narrator. She is a nope. liar the entire movie. There are yep. literally five to ten different scenes where you watch a scene play out and she's like, no, just kidding. This is what actually happened. So she yep. lies to us about how baller her school is and then tries to like win our affection back with this new Matrix can. Suck it. No, no, not buying it. Unreliable narrator. Yeah. So she leaves school and goes to visit her dad at work. That is a Lowe's. I would recognize that beautiful lighting display anywhere. <laughs> they can make whatever fake logo they want. That was a Lowe's. She has the scene with her dad, and then she lies about having a dog when she's narrating to us. And immediately afterwards, like, that was all true, except we don't have a dog. What? But why? Why? Like, you couldn't get a dog for this scene? Or you didn't want to have an animal? Like, it just, the unreliableness was just unnecessary. Yeah, it served no purpose. It wasn't funny. It didn't give any insight to her as a character. They just liked psyching you through the whole movie. My next note is literally, the writer thinks they are funny and are definitely not. Yeah. It took 90 sarcasm to a level that was just, it was off-putting for the audience. Because you couldn't tell what was part of the story and what was not. Right. It's like watching a TV show and finding out a whole thing was a dream sequence. And you're like, okay, well, you just wasted five minutes of my life. Thanks. That's how a good chunk right. of this movie was. It just was a waste of time. Right. While she's narrating, we're finding out that she's an only child at this point, And like I said, she's trying to get into a magnet school. And now I see why I liked this movie as a kid, because this, <laughs> this was my life. I was the only child and I was in a house where you got A's. A B was acceptable, but not preferred. And it was all about getting into like magnet schools and gifted programs. And I felt a lot of pressure from my parents. So like, I see why I kind of identified with this as a kid. But for our lead, Jamie, her grades thus far are not quite cutting it. She's feeling a lot of pressure to get into that school and is worried that she's not going to be able to. Next, we cut to the science fair where Jamie did not win. And the magnet school she's trying to get into is a science and math magnet school specifically. Okay, when you're at a science fair, again, I have never done a science fair. We didn't have them in my school district. Mine I don't either. Know what happened. But you have kids in this science fair that could be on the level of national science fair, world science fair. This kid, one of her friends, actually creates a, not a perpetual motion machine, but like a machine that is pushed by electromagnetics or whatnot. She literally just does an onion lighting up a light bulb, which I get potato clocks and all that stuff. But she's doing remedial science and he's doing advanced science and they're in the same class. And I want to go, where is the gap here? Like, normally when you have a school that has those kinds of things, like you don't have the guy who's going to the National Science Fair up against Potato Clock Girl. Like, it just seemed weird. Well, 
I definitely went to school with a few people that were like that kid, even though not everyone else was. He is specifically thrown in there to be the ultimate overachiever, but like super smart, not like a annoying overachiever. Like he's just a really, really smart kid. So I think he's also there just as kind of a foil to her to show, look how great he is and look how average she is. So that didn't bug me too much. Okay. Um, I have a different different opinion. So while they're at the science fair, she points out that her parents are driving her crazy. And her friend Brad is like, well, at least they came. Brad makes it pretty clear right away that his parents are just not very involved with his life, which was really sad. I want to see the movie about Brad, that poor kid. So while he's talking about how his parents don't come to support him at all, she's complaining about how she feels smothered and then immediately says, be careful what you wish for, because in the next scene, we find out her mom is pregnant with Quince. And now, my favorite part of the movie, we cut to a nursery decorating scene set to Soda Pop by Britney Spears, which is a deep-ass pull. You only know that if you have the first Britney Spears album that was not a radio release, and I got way too excited when that song started playing. Bob can tell you that much. (laughs) She did. I didn't know it. I was very confused. (laughs) We flash forward. Mom goes into labor, and Dad hands her all the bags. Typical. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's doing the stereotypical, like, dad freaking out thing. But also, standard dude. Hey! This is hard for me. Well, okay. I am. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. They pile into the car, and in his franticness, he leaves Jamie at the house. And she comes running down the driveway and chasing after the car, and he has to stop the car so that she can jump in and go with them to the hospital. So we have the first instance of Jamie being- Literally left behind. Abandoned for the sake of the babies. I'm pretty sure that mom stopped that car and was like, uh, you need to stop. Probably. Dad was a hot mess. The reason why I'm giving the dad a hard time is that once all these babies are born, which their names are Adam, Becky, Charlie, Debbie, and Eddie. So those are the shots that we've been toasting to. Dad comes in after all five babies are born and fucking collapses in the chair like he was the one who gave birth to them. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) My only guess was that maybe that delivery room was like a hundred yard sprint and he had to do that five times. Maybe. No? Nothing. Your wife is shoving five children through her vagina. (laughs) You do not get to look tired on this day. (laughs) Denied. I got nothing. Denied. uh, Yep. I I got nothing. Again, I tried. I tried to give him a reasoning. As the actor within me, I went, hey, let's find that motivation. No. Uh, speaking of babies being birthed, I think we should toast the birth of little baby Becky. Okay, let me, I mean, I'm gonna definitely take this shot, but let me point out, so dad has the plan. This plan is basic. Everything he does is basic. Everything, he he wants them to be doctors, he wants them to be lawyers, he wants them to be, you know, I get it, I get it. But it was ramming home so hard when they came out with, we're literally going to do A, B, C, D, E. Oh, the, 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 Jesus, I did not even realize that was happening. Are you serious? <laughs> I'm serious. Literally, I mean, let's go down the list. We've said Adam. Adam, Becky, Charlie, Debbie, Eddie. You might as well call them Alpha, Beta, Charlie, Delta, Epsilon. <laughs> Echo. Echo, Epsilon, whatever. Speaking of that plan, we go to the next scene, and it's the first scene with the babies at home, and it's literally just five minutes of shrieking babies. 
and my already shriveled ovaries just collapsed in on themselves like tiny little black holes. And I just became even happier that I'm never having children. (laughs) I'm happy with the fact that I had to go through that scene with you as well. This whole coronavirus, we don't have to do homeschool. We love you all like parents that have to go through all that. More power to you. You are fucking saints. You are saints. You're wonderful. I'm just glad it's not me. Yeah. So speaking of his plan, the dad and the mom have made these little signs that have careers printed on them. And they are posting these signs on all of the bassinets. And I'm like, holy shit, these people are fucking crazy. No, no, more lies. Narrator lying to us again. The parents are not labeling their children with careers. Pointless scene. They were, wait, I'm, wait, what? I missed that. Yeah. That was not actually happening. That was a, that was a lie scene. No, because... No, 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 no. We went several scenes later and those signs were still on the cribs. No, there were different signs. They were not careers. It was descriptions of what they looked like. It was ways to tell them apart that they had written on the signs later. Uh, the careers were a fake scene. I didn't even catch that. Like, it, I totally blanked out on her doing that. It, it was so infuriating. Yeah. Like, I, I just said, nope, I'm just going to take it for what it is. Yeah. So... Her parents are obviously overwhelmed, so they hire a nanny named Fiona. She's Irish? She She's got an accent that I don't know is actually any kind of accent. Let me just say that luck of the Irish, for as much of a caricature as that movie was, took its Irish accents more serious than this one that's like supposed to be a legitimate Oh, I'm I'm the Irish Mary Poppins or whatever. Yeah, it was horrible. You almost went for the accent, and then you chickened out, and I was so sad. Oh, I... I, I wanted you to commit. I, I didn't even realize. Um, it was actually there for a second, and, and I came out of it. That's the alcohol not keeping things consistent. Uh-huh. That's, Blame it on the a- 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 alcohol, I, I see. I will. Don't get us sued. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't sing it. It's fine. You You really did. Yeah, that's shot four of five, so... I'm I'm starting to feel them. Yeah, Fiona. Ugh, I mm, no. She's helpful? Question mark. There's a that's a skyscraper question mark right there. <laughs> she is determined to synchronize the baby's bodily functions. They will poop at the same time, they will eat at the same time, they will sleep at the same time. Yeah, you and you can no. do that with like twins. That's a thing that I've seen Baby books, different things. I've had younger brothers and whatnot, all that jazz. That's a possibility, not with Quince. There's too many variables. So Jamie has no patience for these shenanigans, and this bitch calls her number six. This (laughs) Like, she calls the babies numbers one through five and calls Jamie number six. No, they are literally tallying them. They have clipboards. They have rotational sheets. It's very militaristic. It's very... It's my job. They were marking fecal scores and stuff. It was my job. So Jamie, God bless her, is like, fuck no, I'm out of this. And she gets involved in art club to avoid helping Fiona. I don't blame her. So art teacher. Yes. I kind of loved, hated him. I loved him. Unabashedly loved him. (sighs) Okay, let me suss that out. I loved him as a teacher until he opened his goddamn mouth. (laughs) <laughs> his words he of wisdom. He was a nerd. No, 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 no. He was an adorable nerd. He, no, his words of wisdom were, I'm a teacher. I don't have to do anything. Bitch, please. 
Well, in his defense, they would say things like, you're a teacher, you have to say that. And he's like, no, bitch, I'm a human being. I'll tell you what I want to tell you. Like, I can't fault him for that. Uh, you have responsibilities as a teacher. You can't just be like, I'm going to say what I want. I'm going to, you know, it, don't get me wrong. I love the teacher. I think he fulfilled the role of the mentor. That's the teacher that you, you look back on and go, you know, I really want to catch up with them and see them. And I know that teacher. Right. That's the teacher whose name you remember your entire life. I was literally going to name drop. But you know what? I think that's actor versus writer. I think the writer in this needs to be like take out back and just put out to pasture. The writing in this just really got to me. Yeah. So the quints are a lot and eventually Fiona quits and the parents are distraught because they can't afford childcare and are overwhelmed. Hashtag America. Then there's a ring at the door and a guy from a diaper company named Al shows up with a shit ton of diapers wanting them to be spokesbabies. And this 100% was an episode of Rugrats with Phil and Lil. Oh. <laughs> you remember that? I don't remember that episode. I was hit and miss with Rugrats, but uh, I know exactly what you're talking about though yeah there was definitely an episode where phil and lil got hired as spokesbabies i'm pretty sure it was for a diaper company and they like put makeup on them it was the plot well, i mean it did happen supply. and i mean this is prophetic for john and kate plus eight a little bit literally year 2000 john and kate i'm pretty sure happened in what 2001 or two or something like that i have no clue we could look it up, we could check it, but, you know, that's for, like, a journalism, and we're not that. No. <laughs> I have four shots in me. It's wonderful. Yeah, feeling good. So, Art Club continues, and it turns out Jamie has a knack for it. She's a really good artist. And now she's starting to think that maybe the science magnet school may not be in her plan. And she has decided that the babies are kind of her muses. She draws all of the babies and becomes familiar with each of their little quirks and their dimples. And it's really sweet. It's like a way that she bonds with all of them by spending time with them and sketching them, which I thought was really cute. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. And this is where it took this weird kind of serious turn because she started actually, you know, focusing on this. And with the advertising guy and the parents and Fiona, hashtag bitch, she noticed that everybody else was calling them the quints, was acting as they were one big unit, where she was, you know, as Kate said, realizing that they were individuals and they each have their needs and that they have their individuality. Literally, bitch straights up switches the kids in their bassinets and mom and dad are fucking clueless. What's happened in the meantime is Al, the marketing guy, starts pressuring her parents to promote the babies 24-7 because they're only going to be relevant for about a year and then people are going to tire of them. And the parents are desperate to keep money coming in because the poor dad is working like 70 hours a week. No, no. 70 hours of, of overtime. overtime. That's right. 70 hours of overtime. Which, by the way, can I find the job that will allow you 70 <laughs> hours of overtime? Now, then again... I will tell you, at said company in which I used to work during college, you could get a summer job that could do that. So it's not unrealistic, but as a full-time job, that was not a thing. Yeah. Like you said, she's starting to feel like the babies are just kind of viewed as this... Commodity. Product, this commodity, right. And she expresses her concerns to her art teacher, and he encourages her to talk to them. And then her way of talking to them is to switch all of the babies when they aren't there, and then challenge them to put them back in their correct bassinets. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 
he didn't just say talk to them. He said talk to them and control the narrative. Which this bitch, <laughs> from the beginning of this goddamn movie, has been an unreliable narrative. So, it's totally on brand for her. That's true. So her parents eventually work it out, but before they do, she kind of embarrasses them and is like, nope, it's not that one. He's the one with the dimples, blah, blah, blah. That's Big Adam. That's... Yeah. So they eventually work it out, but they embarrass themselves. And she stresses that she just wants to make sure that they know that they have five individuals and not one set of quints, which that's fine. I support that. That's great. Okay. I had a thought. What if mom had postpartum depression and she tried this shit on her? She not knowing her kids? Oh my god, I don't even know my kids. Like, what kind of a psych job that could have done on these parents? Yeah, absolutely. In a kid's movie. Like, they did not think about the ramifications of this, which I get. It's a Disney movie and I have to always pull myself back on that. But... You are also influencing these kids. What happens when kids start mixing up kids in their parents' nurseries and somebody doesn't get the right medication or, you know, X, Y, and Z and something happens? I just, it was one of those things that made me think, maybe you should do that. And the thing that drove me crazy about it is that after she does this thing to her parents, she realizes that it wasn't even actually about the babies. It was kind of about her. She just didn't want her parents pushing their hopes and dreams on the babies like they did on her. So, like, way to bring that shit back around to you. Which is legit, but, I mean, tell me any teenager that doesn't make anything and everything about them. Right. So next we go to another lying dream sequence in which there's a big party for Jamie's greatness and her successes as a student. But no. Her parents have stood her up for the parent-teacher conferences. Her dad is overwhelmed with overtime, and mom is distracted by the Quince's first national commercial. Mom decides she's going to make it better by getting Jamie into the commercial, because that's how you fix it. Yeah. Mm. And then we go to the filming of the commercial, and uh-oh. Jamie is literally playing a giant diaper. So she's like, fuck this shit, I'm out. I hate fuck all of you. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Yeah. From the word go, the marketing guy, remind me of his name? Al. Al, in advertising, can just take a, a big fucking hike. He's in it for him. He's in it for his company. He has one decent moment the entire movie. The rest yeah. of the time, he sucks. <laughs> Anytime that anything is going on with the Quince and Jamie is trying to even just be present, he is blocking her. He's putting a, a tablet in front of her. He's literally just been like, Yep, you're not part of this family. Fuck off. Yeah. So the next scene, Jamie is back at school and she's complaining to her friends about how she's not getting enough attention from her parents anymore in front of her poor dear friend Brad, who's basically been saying the entire movie that he's being neglected by his parents. Yeah. Poor Brad. <laughs> then Jamie finds out that her art is going to be displayed in the school art exhibit. Super exciting. She tells her parents, and they're disappointed because it's art. They didn't care about the honor of being the prime exhibit at this art show. They truly were feeding into this whole, woe is Jamie. Yeah. Except, no, it's more fucking lies. Lies! We live in a house of lies! Her parents are super supportive of her art. Like, they love it, and they're so proud of her. And even shitty Al compliments her drawings of the babies. 
I mean, my assumption is he wanted to probably use them for advertisements, whatever. <laughs> Very possible. So next we find out that her parents have been awarded Parents of the Year, which is apparently a thing that happens. From the governor of the state. That's right. He wants to throw a gala in their honor. And you guessed it, the gala is the same day as the art show. As soon as Jamie finds this out, and they are, of course, immediately excited about the gala, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna do it. This is gonna be great. And then Jamie runs to school in tears and starts shredding all of her art and tells everyone she's not gonna be in the art show anymore. Do you think she was crying on the bus the entire way there? Probably. They cut it so that it was like, she's in the house, she's in the hall, she's running towards her art room. But like, there probably was a 20 minute bus ride in between there. Yeah. Or a very, very long walk to the school. Yeah, one or the other. So her friends and her teacher come up while she's shredding all the stuff and they stop her. And she says she's not going to the art show anymore. And the teacher's like, that's your choice. We'll still display your stuff. We'll miss you. Sorry about your choices. Okay, as much as I don't love Jamie because she's a lying fucking bitch, I do not blame Jamie for having this emotional react. Yeah, I would be upset too. It's not even the fact that her parents chose their own gala over her thing. They don't even mention it. They don't even realize that it's the same day. And I get having five kids and having this publicity and getting all this stuff. But at that same time, wouldn't you think that because of advertising, because of five kids, because of X, Y, and Z, you would have to almost be planning some of this stuff out? And you don't happen to notice that this gala and your daughter's art show are on the same day? Oh, God. I don't know. I don't know. Moving on. So the next day at school, Jamie actually gets pulled from class because one of her little brothers is in the hospital with a bad fever. And she's staring at him through the window and she says she's scared. But not just for Adam, but also because she's scared that her relationship with her parents is ruined. Like a super quick turnaround to make a baby's medical emergency all about you, Jamie. <laughs> Not the time to have that conversation. And Albert is back in full douche mode. He wants to substitute a baby because they have gigs to stick to and no one wants to hear about a sick baby. So he's like, we'll just get another one. No one will tell the difference. And her family rightfully gives him the boot for good. Thank God. I think it honestly had something to do with the fact that Jamie was pointing this stuff out as far as her emotions. And then Albert walked in and was like, hey, by the way, I'm a douchebag. And those compounding things, I kind of think, gave Albert the boot. Hey, yeah. by the way, I think we can fucking do this by ourselves. Get the fuck out. Yeah, I agree. I think it's the alcohol, by the way, that is fueling this. We are earning our expli ex explicit label. Yes, we are. Speaking of, I think we should toast to our final baby. Damn it, Eddie. Here we go. Cheers, Eddie. <sighs> oh, at least we ended on a blue one, because that was better than the pink ones. So, the good news is that this whole scare with Adam's health has given Jamie a sense of perspective. At this point, she doesn't mention the art show again, and she just wants to be super supportive of her parents being parents of the year, and wants to help them with taking care of the babies and support them. Wait! She grows the fuck up? She does. Good old Disney movie. We cut to the gala, and the governor, played by the great Don Knotts, 
Donuts! Is like, where are them babies at? Because in all of the excitement, the parents forgot that it's actually supposed to be them and the babies attending this gala. So they left the babies at home with Jamie. Jamie realizes this and immediately starts plotting a way to get the babies to the gala. And that involves recruiting her teacher and his minivan to drive her and her friends to the subway so that they can then take a subway to the gala and get the babies there on time. The teacher is going to head to the art show. Hold on. That is not just a minivan. They went full art teacher on this one. Yes, they did. <laughs> the art teacher is driving an orange and white, you guessed it, VW bus. You're right. I should have given the VW bus the respect it deserves. But like, seriously though, this governor is uncomfortably distraught by the lack of babies. <laughs> He's like real upset about it. What's really interesting is I love Don Knotts, and I normally love Don Knotts comedy. I think it's the writing again. He was real creepy. The writer was a big fucking douchebag on this one. Like, Don Knotts is a funny character. A funny fucking man. And don't get me wrong, he is really old in this one. But he's still there. He's still running through this thing. And I don't like Don Knotts in this movie. And that's saying a lot. Yeah, he was creepy. And I love Don Knotts. He was creepy politician. I'm, I'm, I'm a politician. This is what it should be. So the kids get to the subway and then part ways with their teacher because the teacher has to go to the art show and they jump on the subway with all the babies and a bunch of biker guys approach them and you think, oh no, biker guys. Did you? I mean, because it was a Disney movie, I didn't. But in general, you would think, oh no, biker guys. But no, they show up to the gala and the biker guys have helped them get there. They're like their own personal security team and they are all big sweethearts. A la Disney. Yes. Which, don't get me wrong, I love bikers. Not all bikers are assholes. That's right. Once they deliver the babies to the gala, the governor's driver takes them to get ice cream. Except, no, he fucking doesn't. He rushes them back to the art show. Wait, what? But we needed to have a lie of a scene where they went to get ice cream. How did I not catch this? I was not I don't know. I thought that they went for ice cream and then went to the art show. No, they sure didn't, Bob. (sighs) They sure didn't. She showed us a fake scene where they went and got ice cream. I think I blanked that from my memory because I was just so fucking frustrated. She's like, no, no, of course we didn't go get ice cream. We went to the art show. So they go to the art show and of course Jamie wins the blue ribbon. And that part is not a lie, which she specifically makes a point of saying that part's not a lie. And then, surprise, her parents came. Because once they saw her rush out the door, they were like, oh shit, our kids' art show is tonight. They realized why she left, and they followed. And for some fucking reason, the governor also came and abandoned his own gala. Well, if if the parents of the year are gonna be there, I might as well be there, I guess. (laughs) That was beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. So Jamie wins the art show. Her parents are super proud. They're super supportive. It's all great. She gets offered a spot in the magnet school, but she says no. That's right. It turns out that that is not, quote, her path. Her grades stay about the same. They're kind of mediocre. And she continues to just focus on her art, which like, good for you, girl. Great job. And then as the movie is ending, she drops the bomb that her mom is pregnant with septuplets. As in seven. And then holds up a piece of paper that says, made you look. 
Now, to me, that meant that she wasn't actually pregnant at all. But to Bob, that meant... Because when she holds up the tablet paper, she stops her mom from being in the shot. And made you look, she was talking about the septuplets. I think that she was truly pregnant because when she drops the thing, she is still pregnant. They didn't get rid of the baby bump. I think that that is more just lazy filmmaking and that she wasn't actually pregnant. But agree to disagree. Well, or you can let us know what you think on the Facebook page or on any of our social media. So the movie has finished. And as I was writing my notes for this, I knew I was giving this movie a hard time. And I don't want this podcast to be Katie and Bob rag on a movie for 30 minutes. I want to appreciate the good things about a movie. So I actually made a little subcategory that was things I loved about this movie. Because there were things that I really liked. Well, I stopped taking notes a long time ago because I got really frustrated. (laughs) (laughs) I loved her super supportive art teacher. I thought he gave her good advice both as far as her education and pursuing art goes, but also like in her relationship with her parents. I thought he was a great role model. I was all about that guy. I thought that it had a good message for kids to kind of be careful what you wish for and really kind of teaches kids to look outside of their own bubble, which when you're 13 years old is really, really hard to do. Albeit a very clouded, foggy, diverted message. How so? Unreliable narrator. I mean, that's true. But like, a big part of this movie was Jamie growing up and learning to be supportive of her parents and help her parents and kind of realizing that it's nice to be supported by your parents, but also it's not always about you. You need to find a little bit of a happy medium and you need to help your family. And I really think that that is a good message, especially for little kids who might be having younger siblings born. And I I agree with that. And don't get me wrong, as much sass and as much ragging I do on this movie, I was the oldest of four. And, you know, I don't even know how my parents did that. But to even think about having five kids at the same time on top of having a teenager, don't get me wrong. If these parents were real, my heart would go out to them. Yeah, absolutely. I could not even imagine trying to raise five kids at once, let alone five babies that are the exact same age. And a teenager who's trying to find herself. Right. And I also wanted to give a little bit of a shout out to Brad, who I just love everything about this character. God bless him. He has no support from his parents, but he strives for good grades and stuff for his own betterment and for his own future. Cheers to you, bro. He is a super supportive friend of Jamie's, even when she's being selfish. And god damn it, he does not want to hook up with her. And that is so refreshing to have a guy friend who is just supportive and loving as a friend. I love everything about Brian. I honestly thought of that at towards the end of the movie. I was like, wow, there was no romantic relationship in this Disney movie. That's quite refreshing. None at all. It made me so happy. So anyway, I wanted to go out of my way to highlight those things because there actually were quite a few things about this movie that I did like. It's just kind of fun to poke fun at some of the ridiculousness because there was a lot of ridiculousness with this movie. It's just good radio to rag on as much as we can. But I, I would agree with Kate on almost every sentiment she's had. So Bob, on a scale of one to five... How can you go outside of anything but infants? Yeah, out of one to five infants, how many infants do you give this movie? Uh, I gotta stop it, Becca. Two? Two out of five. I truly think that it has its merits. I think it has its wonderful aspects. Can I say one more thing? Go ahead. 
her female friend, I can't remember her name. Names are actually I, my, my Honest detriment. to God, don't know that they ever said it. Which, don't get me wrong, I love that they had inclusion. She was an African-American young lady. She was delightful. Her acting was actually one of the best. Like, I truly thought that she was like a best friend kind of character. Yeah, she was really good. She was really good. One of the better actresses in this entire show. She didn't bring a lot to the floor as far as progress or anything like that. But she's the one who gets Jamie involved in the art class. And I want to say... I almost think that she would be a little jealous because she brought Jamie into this art class and then boom. She not only is featured in this art show, but let's be honest, she's in seventh grade. That's at least seventh, eighth, and ninth grades, if not, or sixth, seventh, eighth, or whatever their school is as far as middle school, I'm assuming. She takes tops on her. She takes the entire thing after she introduces her to the art class. As far as, like, proud of her and, hey, my best friend just won. That's awesome. I think she'd be proud of her. I think she'd have just a little jealousy in there of the fact that, hey, I brought her in here. I don't know. That's just, maybe I'm a petty human. I mean, I think that's just a testament to what a good friend she is. Because they gave no indication that she did feel jealous. Maybe. She was just supportive of Jamie and her art. And she was doing her own thing. And Jamie was actively supportive of her friend's art. So I think she it was, was just a good, she healthy, was. loving friendship. And I throw that wrench in there just because I'm looking for deeper, bigger drama. But honestly, I think that she is the best actress in that series. Yeah, she was really, really natural. She was really good. Uh, As far as my rating goes, this is actually a week where we're going to differ. I'm going to give this one a three. Yes, the writing was not great, but I think it does well for that age group. I was in that age group when it came out. It resonated really strongly with me. And I think they do a really good job of kind of planting the seed in a teen's brain of, I know everything feels like it's about you, but sometimes it's not. And sometimes you have to put your family first. I think this movie had a lot to teach kids while still being a relatively entertaining kids movie. Whereas something like Luck of the Irish was just ridiculousness. Entertainment. Right. I think this movie actually had something to say. I think the characters' feelings and experiences are pretty realistic. I think Jamie, as annoying as she could be, that's how 13-year-olds are. It is about them. You complain because your parents are all over you, but then... If they're not all over you, you complain because you're not getting enough attention. I think it's, I think it had something to say. Kind of the way Winnie the Pooh did. It's something made for kids, but it's got something a little bit deeper. So for me, I'm going to give it three out of five infants. I I feel you. Charlie is a a fair rating, and I was at a different place when this came out. I see it. I appreciate it what it is. And, you know, I'm a Becky. You're a Charlie. What it is. (laughs) All right. I think it's about time that we roll for next week. Yeah, we're at a, a long recording session. Yeah, I'm, I'm digging this episode, though. I'm not sad about it. No. So I'm going to do the honors this week. Our roll is 82. That's a low roll. Damn. Yes, it is. I hit my microphone with my head. Oh, my. 82 is The Boy Who Talked to Badgers, which I believe is like, I'm trying to remember from when I compiled my list. I'm pretty sure it's a 1950s, 60s, one of those Disney nature films from way back in the day. And I love a badger, so I'm not sad about that, I guess. I think this one might be a little hard to sit through, though. My mic has not been muted for the last minute. I'm just 
What? <laughs> we hope you guys will join us in two weeks for our review of The Boy Who Talked to Badgers. As always, follow us on Facebook at Disney Plus Roulette Podcast. And this week, rather than asking you to go give us a review and stuff, today we're going to ask you to help spread the word about this podcast and about our new podcast, I Roll Die, with a little help from my friends. I Roll Die for short. We are not spending money on advertising, so word of mouth means the world to us. I Roll Die is kind of Bob's baby. Hi. <laughs> uh, it is a real play D&D podcast that Bob is DMing. I am playing D&D for the first time ever for your entertainment. She's wonderful. Don't listen to her. <laughs> I was really stressed and scared about it at first, but it ended up being a lot of fun. And we hope that you guys will check us out. We're hoping to have that up in the next couple weeks. We did our first recording. It was about four hours. So we've got at least a couple episodes out of there. When were you trying to have that up, Bob? So this is going to go up hopefully on Tuesday, hopefully the next Tuesday after that. So we're going to alternate I Roll Die and Disney Roulette. So the first episode of I Roll Die will hopefully be going up on October 6th. Please come check it out. It's a lot of fun. We've got us, Susan from our High School Musical episode, who's been my best friend since fourth grade. Uh, she and I just connect on a deeper level. I personally feel like that really came across in the recording, as well as two of our dearest friends, Jake and Sarah. It's kind of an adventure for me, never having done this before. So we hope you'll join us for that. And if you know someone who's into Disney, tell them about Disney Plus Roulette. Just spread the word a little bit for us. If you know someone who's into D&D or Real Play Podcast, please point them in the direction of I Roll Die. That would mean the world to us. And on top of that, for I Roll Die, check us out on Facebook because we are there. We are already up posting the hype. I've been talking about editing and everything else. If you tweet, Facebook, Instagram, anything, telling your friends about all of the I Roll Die stuff that's coming out, you have the opportunity, if you hashtag it with I Roll Die, you could put your name on an NPC in an upcoming episode. So there's that. Yep. Thank you, Bob, for being my co-host as always. And thank you guys so much for listening. We really do have a blast recording this podcast every week. I really love doing it. I do too. It's been an absolute wonderful experience. and. Hopefully we're taking your mind off of everything that's going on in the world. That's right. And remember, you guys, boys tend to pee on you. Wait, what? <laughs>